0: Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world, professional 3D printing experience to deliver
1: valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. Tyler's over there
0: jamming. He still, it seems like he still likes it. I love it. The sound level's a little better now, you feel like? Yeah, and I like how it uh, is drawn out.
1: Okay. You You like the extra couple seconds? I do. Add it on the backside there? I
0: revel in those couple seconds. All right. Yeah. It's Friday. Oh, my gosh. Friday morning. It feels so good. It does feel good. This week went by fast. Went by so fast. It's spring weather. Starting to feel that way. Oh, nice. Yeah, it actually did snow yesterday. Yeah, but it melted fast. Yeah.
1: I'll tell you what, what doesn't make it feel like spring is having your furnace go out. Ooh. Yeah, mine started acting up the other day.
0: Well, I do not envy you (laughs) at all. Yeah, we'll see what it takes to fix.
1: I'm gonna try and get in there and do what I can myself. And if I have to, I'm bringing
0: in the big dogs. Yeah, you might have to, but at least it's at the end of the season, so you can slow walk it a little bit.
1: Yeah. Right now, I'm keeping my whole house warm with one of those little fake fireplace places. I mean, it's a real fireplace, but it's the fake logs. It's just gas. It's gas. And it works. Yeah. It's keeping the main level warm. Uh, Luckily, all the rooms are upstairs and you're really only there to sleep. So yeah, (laughs) It's, uh, it's fun. Fun stuff. Anyway, the
0: joys of being a homeowner. No doubt. Or managing a bank-owned home. No doubt. I've had two, uh, three cups of coffee this morning, (laughs) and I actually took a donut. Normally, I don't partake in the donuts when they come in, and uh, I decided, you know what? I will do it. We, We have one listener who is our biggest critic, and he's also the person who brings in the donuts, and you know... I just felt like I'd throw him a bone, and I would take one of his donuts today. I'm just feeling generous.
1: That was nice of you. I know. You're gonna gonna gain ten pounds now. (laughs) Uh oh. Well, uh, there's a ton that went on this week, and I think you kind of got to eat your words a little bit on one of the one of the topics. You think so? (laughs) I don't know. I've been. I've been. You know. Again, I don't partake in this. uh, This stock yeah buying and selling and stuff i it, it's super popular, right? Everybody's doing it, but um, we have a particular interest in these printing companies, and it seems like everything came back. Uh, everything was crashing. everybody was burning down, particularly <laughs> one that
0: you called out. yeah, 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 last week I was a little harsh, I think, on the nano dimension uh, organization and I was I think I was harsh in the sense that I singled them out. Which was kind of unfair because the last couple weeks, you know, 3D printing stocks and actually the broader market in general has, uh, you know, had some rough times, so it was a little bit unfair to single out nano dimension. I still, you know, I still feel ha- about.
1: I you're have apprehensive
0: I have, about, a pol- you're not going to offer a public apology. I have feelings about the technology <laughs> and the organization itself. But it was unfair for me to just single them out, specifically last week, I think. Okay. Because even GameStop's on the way back up. Yeah. So. I know. It's like we started this podcast with absolutely zero intention to ever talk about the stock market and investments, but reality has a way of imposing itself on us. And the fact of the matter is 2020 has been the in circumstances within 2020, you know, with the availability of commission-free trading and the stock market taking a dip back in March and April, presenting, you know, what would be perceived as bargains on individual stock purchases. It's just 2020 was the year of the retail investor and like the layman, uh, becoming involved in the stock market. And 2020 was the return of 3D printing to the forefront of people's attention, right? And those two uh, facts coming together means that if you're talking about 3D printing in today's environment, you almost have to talk about the organizations, the companies, the investments, the, the consolidation, the mergers and acquisitions and things like that. You pretty much have to. Like we were talking about earlier this week, March 11th was the one-year milestone from uh, COVID-19 being officially announced as a pandemic, right? Yeah. And I think it's hard to ignore the impact that COVID-19 has had on 3D printing. What are you typing over there? Um, I'm trying to get my notepad.
1: (laughs) I'm going to see if our uh, uh, lovely assistant will bring me uh, my notepad. There's a couple things I'm I'm gonna blank on, and okay. I really want to make sure we get to all of them okay. in the news.
0: Yeah, bring up our little brainstorming session. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk a little bit about some of the changes over the last <laughs> year. I mean, I think early in an earlier podcast we had talked about you know in more detail the reemergence of 3D printing into uh, you know people's attention because of COVID 19 and discussions about supply chain resilience. And the ability for organizations to retool assembly lines and, and make quick responsive actions, uh, be enabled by 3d printing. And I acknowledge the fact that it reminded me of kind of 2013, 2014, but there is one major difference that I've been thinking about this past week, and that is In 2013 and 2014, there was a lot of pressure from investors from the market placed on 3D printing OEMs, but it was almost all of the pressure was geared towards bringing 3D printing to the consumer. It was all consumer oriented. And the difference between then and now is that the pressure is really for the professional applications to really start. Uh, being embraced in professional adoption, which I think is a healthier pressure because it is a more realistic pressure. In 2013, 2014, with all this pressure coming on them to release printers that the every man, like everyday person, can use inside their house, that wasn't a very realistic uh, end goal. Where if the pressure is, hey, let's open up regulations and eliminate red tape, and let's actually bring 3D printing into, uh, adoption unlike aviation, energy, industrial uses, et cetera, et cetera, professional uses. That's a healthy pressure because there is an end game there. Where there wasn't an end game before. Do we, does every person have a 3D printer in their house? Like, I don't think that was a very realistic goal.
1: Certainly more people do. Yeah.
0: Definitely. More people do, but there's just so many roadblocks there. Number one being, a lot of people have no interest in having a 3D printer in their house. Yeah, I think there's a couple things
1: you fight against there, right? Like, one, people's expectation of what 3D printing is Mm -hmm. has to be corrected at this point in time because a lot of people still see 3D printing as this novelty, create anything technology, one printer to do it all. And the reality is what you're going to buy as a normal consumer is what's the cheapest, best machine. And it's usually an FDM machine, Mm -hmm. a small platform. So yeah, I mean, people, you have to know the limitations of the equipment that you're buying and that sort of thing.
0: That's true. That's true. It just, it ended up going nowhere. And the OEM suffered for it, <laughs> it because went
1: kinda somewhere.
0: It yeah, but it didn't re it it was more of a disappointment than it was a success, I would say. So do you think we're
1: totally even though this is different now, are we set up for that disappointment again?
0: I'm not gonna play Nostradamus. Like I don't <laughs> know where the future is going to take us, but I will say that I have less apprehension than I did in years past, because I think that the pressures and the asks, like what the market is asking of these OEMs is more in line with what they want to achieve and what they're capable of achieving. But it's going to take some work to get there. Some of it is technologically, uh, you know, technology advancements. Some of it is regulatory advancements, which is something that we've been, you and I have been learning a lot lately, right? Yeah kind of red tape in aviation and particularly with metals i guess with polymers as well but well it's really it is really connected to metals because it's all about end use applications using the printed parts as printed or with some post-processing but we're not talking about prototyping applications (laughs) our assistant's the absolute best Oh, wow. My notebook you were just actually, got slid under the door. You were actually not making that up. No. I thought you were. All right, no. go grab your notebook. We do have an assistant here. <laughs> Hold on. All right. So now I got to fill time while he walks across the room and goes and grabs that notebook that just somehow magically slid itself underneath the door. <laughs> I didn't want to get up. So when you were taking notes, you were actually writing them down, huh?
1: Yeah. Physically wow.
0: on a notepad, old school.
1: I I actually do usually take them in my uh, laptop, but
0: for whatever reason, I just felt like putting the
1: pen to the pad.
0: I do take important notes um, on pen and paper because my retention, my memory is better. Almost never do I go back and reference notes at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm less likely to reference pen and paper notes than I am uh, type notes. But the fact that I'm writing it out, handwriting, does help my memory.
1: It didn't work for me (laughs) because I wouldn't have had to ask for the notebook, but yeah, uh, yeah, that our assistant just came through in the clutch. Do you ever feel like you're losing your handwriting skills? I do. I feel like it's gotten worse over the years, but it's still legible. Far, far better than my mom's, for example. Mm -hmm. I've never been able to really read her handwriting. She writes in cursive exclusively. Oh, wow. And it's chicken scratch
0: at that. So it's, (laughs) it's so, so bad. I can read cursive by the way. Yeah. I can too. <laughs> just not my mom's. And you got to respect someone who's like life's too short to remove the pencil from the paper. I just got to <laughs> go.
1: So sorry to be such a distraction. Let's get back on track. So Yeah, we're off to a rocky
0: start here. Come on.
1: <laughs> let's let's quicken the pace here. So you've you've apologized to Nano because Everybody was kind of going through the same thing. Yeah. Right? And then now we're moving towards... So we can check that one off the list. Yeah. Checked. Done. My, my, con, my conscious is clear. can check it
0: here. Yeah. My conscience is clear.
1: Okay. All right. <laughs> so with that being said, there have been some additional crazy things that have happened in the marketplace or rumors flying around. Lots of news
0: this week. That, where, do, where do
1: you want to start? Well, since we're on the track of apologies and you getting things wrong... Or okay. hating things. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm seeing a theme here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about the rumor that we heard yesterday. You sent me a link to this. You want to start with that? I I think it's a great a great topic. Okay. You want you want that to be more meaty? You wanna put that in the middle of the
0: show? Yeah, let's let's talk about uh Oh, a teaser. <laughs> Such yeah. a tease. Yeah, let's talk about the the news about uh DM, you know going to bat and trying to purchase SLM okay let's let's talk about that I think it's kind of interesting we'll give her a go
1: I'm uh, well there
0: was news this week that <laughs> DM desktop metal and SLM were in discussions for a acquisition desktop metal pursuing SLM in an all- stock deal for something in the neighborhood of 700 million dollars and uh, it fell through. And part of why it fell through is probably related to what we were just talking about, you know, the whole industry, uh, started to, you know, the stock prices have been kind of on a roller coaster, and they've been going up, 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 and they crashed a little bit. And that really affects the purchasing power of these organizations, right? Especially when they're seeking deals in like an all stock deal, it could mean the difference between like, Hey, I have a billion dollars in capital, or I have $300 million in capital to, to, uh, to pursue purchases. So it sounds like that fell apart, but I thought it was kind of revealing, you know, what are they going for? Like, you know, desktop metal, they have this cash, they have these assets that, and they can use them at their discretion. You know, what are they planning on using it for? And I think that if they had purchased SLM, then. Suddenly, you know, that changes the dynamic of, uh, you know, what desktop metal is in the market. And how does that, I mean, other than stocks, the stunks, how, how can this affect our listeners? Well, it depends on your background. Truly it does. Um, and, and it probably requires some knowledge about who each of these companies are, you know, desktop metal is a Massachusetts-based company that has been pioneering, really, some novel metal technologies. One of them is, was the topic of uh, last week's podcast, and they have yet to really breach into the market, let's say. And SLM is a German based company, very well known in the industry, long track record of successes, long track record of successful customers and using a technology laser powder bed fusion that is very well entrenched in industry right now. It's the leading metal additive technology. It's the one that's closest to, you know, whatever we could call mass adoption. It's the one that's best poised to. Uh, you know, be on airplanes and trains and, and uh, automobiles, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can use, you know, your stock to purchase SLM as an organization, then suddenly Desktop Metal is a huge player in the additive industry. They're looking to buy their clout with stonks. Yeah, you could say that. You could
1: say that. Customer base. That's the way I'm seeing it. Like you know, that's as simply as I can put it.
0: Well, could be wrong. It broadens their portfolio. You know, if if they were to bring that on, La- having laser powder bed fusion at your disposal is huge. It broadens your potential applications significantly. It brings in a cust- an established customer base, revenue, but it didn't follow through. So you know, maybe maybe it still happens. We don't know, but it gives you a peek into what they're trying to do, which is become a behemoth. In the additive industry. Okay. They've made
1: a lot of acquisitions, in other words, which signals
0: their trajectory. Well, for sure, they they made one in VisionTech. Yep. And they're pursuing more. I think that's one key takeaway. All right. All right, so that's news item number one. I thought it was interesting, and and that's probably a developing story. I I won't be surprised if we hear about an actual... uh, acquisition from desktop metal here shortly and i'm kind of waiting for the Nano Dimension acquisitions too they keep talking about how they're looking at companies to acquire but i'm not really sure who they're going to acquire so i'm uh waiting to see how they choose to use that 650 million dollars they have in the bank
1: absolutely we need to make these like news minutes nuggets
0: sometimes news doesn't fit in a minute well when you're talking about it (laughs) i'm just kidding Let's talk about the rumor.
1: No. We don't want to get into that yet. We're okay. still teasing it. Okay, what do we I have something is, less serious to talk about. Okay, let's do that. So, uh a guy that I used to work with, it brilliant man. Um someone oh, I looked up to yes, a lot. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. He has developed you know, we talked a little bit about COVID and how this last year's uh-huh. been. Yeah. During this time period, he
0: has created what is called microclimate. And these... (laughs) Wait, just stop. Like, if you're listening and you're in front of a computer, stop and Google this, right? Absolutely. 100%. You need to see what we're talking about. You
1: have to see it to believe it. (laughs) It's beautiful. It's engineering at its finest. And I, I actually... I've known about it for a while. You know, we follow each other on LinkedIn and I've, yeah, yeah. I've seen him kind of go through the development process and I'm like, oh, right on, you know, perfect timing. As long as you get this developed fast enough, this is a great thing. And, you know, I was thinking it was kind of like small potatoes, no big deal. And then on this pretty influential Instagram account that I follow that's just I think it's called this is it's the dumbest name but it's called moist buddha <laughs> and it's one of those accounts that everybody follows uh if you don't just give it a look but they posted the funniest meme and i'm pretty sure it's this guy's mom and dad wearing these microclimate masks these are de- designed to replace like your standard face mask it's a full helmet it's a spaceman helmet. Yeah, that's been shrunken a little, so that it's not this ginormous thing, but it's still a little shocking. It's sort of see. like a, uh,
0: you know, like it's a space helmet out of the expanse, or it's like a Daft Punk helmet without the LED lights.
1: Yeah. So, and it's funny you say that because in this Instagram post, the caption was because his parents are older. Yeah. the The, the caption was Daft retirement. Yeah. And I just like died laughing. I was like, that is so rad. And we opened up a discussion about it a little bit and you said you'd wear one.
0: I absolutely would wear one. And I don't think I don't think you would. I hundred percent would wear one. Where? I'd wear it to the on store. A plane? I'd wear it to the plane on the plane. A plane makes sense to me. You're packed into this tiny little zone. I'd wear it here at work. No, you wouldn't. Yes, I would. No, you wouldn't. For sure I would. You'd get but- teased off the face of the planet Mm-mm. if you wore. The- no. You wouldn't. Haters. They're just jealous. I would wear it to <laughs> Home Depot. I'd wear it to Target. I'd wear it everywhere. Because I don't, I mean, no one really likes to wear the masks, right? Right. And in a world where no one, everyone's doing something they don't really want to do, if they see you and you have a full mask and they can see your mouth, they can see you breathing easily. It's not fog in they're the glass. They're not going to make fun of you. They're going to be jealous.
1: What about when you sneeze?
0: Well, just don't sneeze.
1: Have you seen Rocket Man? Yeah, I've seen Rocket Man.
0: <laughs> but what happens when you sneeze in your mask? It sh- it leaves evidence.
1: Uh, I guess. At least you can see visual evidence with the microclimate. <laughs> I've had
0: to throw away one mask because as soon That's as it de- became wet, hear. you could see it.
1: <laughs> anyway, Tyler,
0: how close are you actually to purchasing one of these? I'm not close at all because I'm so cheap. How much are they? They're $300, which I've been kind of shopping for the masks for our laser powder bed fusion system, Mm -hmm. the 3M paper masks. Mm -hmm. And they're like $1,000, $1,200. And this is really similar to it, but even more streamlined. So I thought, yeah, $1,000 would be reasonable, but they're like $300. So if it...
1: It's an all-in-one unit. It doesn't have a backpack or like anything you need to clip onto your belt loop. Like I I think it has some active filtering. Okay. I will tell you
0: if. What's a price point you'd buy it at? I actually would buy it for $300, but at the beginning of a pandemic, not at the end of a pandemic. Hmm. So So, you're an optimist right now. Well, kind of, but I'm also saying, hey, the the next time we get hit with a pandemic.
1: You're buying one.
0: Yeah, which is sort of a pessimistic view. Hmm. I think it will happen again. I'm going to see if I can hit him up. I'm going gonna I'm gonna to see if I can hit him up because I want you wearing
1: it. this thing full time around the it. office every, everywhere. Um, You know, maybe after. If we're By that point, I hope we're live streaming and people can <laughs> see us doing the podcast. Yeah.
0: Oh, great. Great stuff. I think by the time we're live streaming, things will have gotten back to normal. Okay. Well,
1: that's my that's my addition to the news. It's not really news other than it seems like it's a legitimate product now. Yeah. His page, his website looks really good. The product actually looks really good. I just the worldwide acceptance of yeah. people wearing domes. It's a it's
0: essentially a dome, right? Yeah. On their head. Are we ready for that? I think so. I you know, maybe if you have like in your dome some soil and some plants growing in it that's the point where i would start to be like eh you know that's that's a little too much but a dome alone it's a space helmet you know it's it it
1: actually it looks pretty cool it's just it's gonna be it's a social experiment too and i wonder how he used additive in the development of it or if he did because it's primarily glass yeah well i'm I'm gonna Is it
0: glass i doubt it's glass it's probably plastic
1: yeah, it's probably plastic. But probably I, I want to talk to him about it. I do want to hit him up. I will. Try I'm to going get one. To.
0: Try to get one. I'll wrap it for sure. If it's free, you'll wrap it. Yeah. Or if I could get one, you know, 6 months from now, like uh buy one get one free, maybe I would consider it too.
1: Would you give the other one to me?
0: No, I'd give it to my wife.
1: <laughs> well, I want to look daft. Well, well, we're Daft Podcast. <laughs> daft Podcast. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, let's is, is there any other news that you want to get to specifically? Well, we should probably address the rumor from yesterday. Finally. Finally. We've teased you long enough. Here I it know. comes. This is uh Tyler Reed bringing you the latest. Beep 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 no, no, beep no, no, beep no. Don't, beep, don't,
0: beep 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 beep. Don't do that. No? No. Okay. <laughs> because I'm reluctantly speaking about it,
1: reluctantly delivering
0: Yeah. I'm I'm reluctant about it because it is just a rumor, right now. But the rumor is that we're going to spread it. An organization that we are associated with, Velo3D, was in talks or is in talks with a blank check company, Jaws Spitfire, which is the most ridiculous name I've ever heard. But Jaws Spitfire uh, merging in a SPAC. Deal. I think it sounds cool. You think it? You think it sounds cool? Yeah. I wonder what the origin of it is. We're going to need a bigger boat. Jaws Spitfire. To me, it's just, is like two cool words on their own put together, hoping to multiply the coolness. It worked for me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a sucker. Jaws Spitfire. So the rumor is that they're in talks for merging. So that would be basically a SPAC deal for Velo3D. Which you have spoken negatively of
1: in the past. Yes, I have.
0: Yes, I have. And we have spoken about- So is there another apology in order? No. No mm. apologies are in order right now. I like this. Because we have spoken on multiple occasions about trying to bring honesty and transparency and trustworthiness to the additive industry. And I think this is a- Put some respect on that name. Yeah, it's a perfect uh, point in time for us to stick to that, right? Yeah. And just speak about reality as we see it and be honest with the fact that like I'm kind of fundamentally against the SPAC idea. I think that it's set up in a way to allow companies to have more control over their own valuation, which isn't inherently good or bad, but I don't think that, and I think the SEC is agreeing with me, it hasn't worked out in investors' favor all the time. Certainly there are companies that have come to market through SPAC deals that are good companies. They have strong, you know, fundamentals. They are profitable organizations. But the reality is, is through a SPAC deal, you don't know that company as thoroughly as you would if they went through a traditional IPO. Like with a traditional IPO, you have something called a roadshow. And the roadshow is essentially the organization introduces itself to the market. They go literally a roadshow around the country and they meet with potential investors. They meet with organizations and tell them like, this is who we are. This is what we do. These are our, this is our pipeline, whatever. And collectively they come up with a valuation, an initial um, price offering or a stock or a target stock price. And there's more transparency. What Uh, Now, the downside to that is with a traditional IPO, there's always been this asymmetric access to purchasing equity in the company at a discount for institutional investors. Like You would always have, let's say, an IPO price is $30 per stock. Institutional investors, so big hedge funds and investment banking and whatnot, they might buy that, have access to buy that stock at $15. So right away, they are poised to make a lot of money. And it it's unfair to the retail investor. So a SPAC is good in the sense that it gives a more even playing field to retail investors, but where it's not good is that it allows the company or the organization that is going public to do it in a way that is, you know, less revealing to the fundamental health of their company. So it's not inherently good or bad, but I do think that companies are you know, being allowed to sidestep sidestep some of that. And it's happened in the past. It didn't work out very well. It became regulated. And I think that we'll start to see regulations in our space too. It's not only happening in 3D printing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Not to mention...
1: It's happening everywhere. I feel like it's happening more. And maybe it's just because the little
0: window that I'm looking
1: through, it's, it's happening more frequently.
0: In some ways, it's just a new way for private equity to get into, to make money because these blank check companies, they're just groups of investors, like you have, we, we kind of role-played this a little bit. You have, uh, people or organizations willing to put their money into a fund. That fund is not necessarily a fund. Now it's a company and they're just seeking to merge. So it's just a new route that they're taking. Yeah. So for us. I don't really know what the consequences are. I think that Velo3D is a company that is worthy of a high valuation. They have strong IP. They have a clearly clearly defined- Which we
1: actually know. Yes. By the way. Right. Which is the difference between when we read about these articles, um, in fact, like the link you sent to me- Mm Mm-hmm. I perused the entire thing. Oh, you know. <laughs> did you? Yes, <laughs> and they linked your video. They did with with your interview with Benny Buller, and yeah. they linked it to us. Which, no offense to us, but tells you how little these uh, reporters are willing to go off of. You know, I think that video had like three, four hundred views, which it's very specific information that, that, you know, 400 people are interested in, but it's, it's not, you know, a 4 yeah. million hit video. So this guy who wrote the article is clearly speculating and reasonably so like, you know, us having some background information, but it's just clear to us how little people are willing to go off of. So keep in mind, this is, these are rumors. Yeah. it's This isn't gospel. This is just you know what right. we're, we're we're trying to give you some background knowledge and we happen to know a little bit more about Velo because of our relationship with them.
0: Yeah, and I, and I do want to go into that a little bit, but I think this proves my point in that let's say you have a theoretical value of 100 million dollars, right? Through a SPAC, that valuation is determined as an agreement between the blank check company and the company that is going to go public. It's essentially a two-party negotiation. And then it may grow once people catch wind of it and they start buying the stock. Prior to the merger, you can start to, you can already buy stock in uh, Jaws Spitfire. You can buy stock in A1, which is the Mark Forge company. Like you can buy stock and that kind of gives a signal and some influence, but for the most part- Is it A1 or just one? Well, the ticker is A1. Oh, okay. The ticker is A1. Creative. A1. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just a different way of going to market that is it's easier to sweep some stuff under the rug. Yeah. That's the way I see it. There is an optimistic viewpoint and, and there's a pessimistic IP. viewpoint. Yeah, so the optimistic viewpoint is it allows, you know, retail investors more access. It's a yeah. more democratizing uh, method of going public. So, if you're an advocate, that would be your argument, I think. If you are a pessimist about it, then you would say it it opens the door to more risk for all of the investors. But with Velo, you know, although I may dislike the whole SPAC idea, I do think that. Companies are allowed to take advantage of the current climate. And the current climate is like a lot of people want to participate in SPACs. You know, SPAC investing is becoming a thing that's bigger than 3D printing. Like I bet, I guarantee you there's more content being put out into social media and YouTube and whatever, a talking SPAC discussion. You know, what SPACs are being uh, formed, who's on the board, how much money do they have, who are they going to buy? That's a much bigger Uh, topic of discussion than our little niche of 3D printing. So it's interesting and I understand like if companies are allowed to do it, which they currently are, there is incentive for them to do it. That's the truth. I do think that, you know, a year from now, maybe that is different. But Velo3D is a great company. They're a great organization. They have uh, so much talent and expertise and I'm more than willing to talk about them as a company. Yeah, which we will. Yeah, at some point, their AES are intimidating. Are they?
1: To me, they're they're 10x what I am. <laughs> 20x. Like you, you, you know. <laughs> I know how you think of yourself. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No. 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 I'm. I'm not trying to be humble. Like literally, they are the most clever intelligent guys uh they really know what they're talking about when we've been on our calls with them and we yeah. we are still drinking from a fire hose in terms of trying to learn right about everything with the technology right and you can fire off any question and so far any of their 3A's i think that i've had the opportunity to interact with can answer any one yeah. of the questions
0: their whole organization is just full of very sharp, uh, well-educated, well, you know, highly experienced people. But it does touch on the fact that Velo three D and their product is targeted towards a persona that's completely different than most of the uh, companies that we're talking about in terms of SPAC deals. Yeah, like Markforged, Desktop Metal. They are more; they're not consumer-oriented. Markforged is on some level, desktop metal, not so much, but they are focused on like mid-range professional solutions. So products that are 50 K to $250,000, right? And that's a little bit more approachable and they're using technologies that, and they're hitting applications that are a little bit more approachable. Velo3D's value proposition is entirely different and Their solution is a seven-figure solution, you know? It's in the low millions and they're targeting serial production and the conversations and the customer profile for that type of solution is so different. And I think that will complicate the discussion about what is the company worth and what's their future? Because there are, there are regulatory roadblocks in place. There is a reason why, even though laser powder bed fusion has been used extensively in research and prototyping and proof of concept printing, there's a reason why it hasn't really been embraced by industry. And some of that, a large part of that is regulatory. Those barriers will be broken soon. And Velo is uniquely placed to take advantage of those regulations. Uh, being not eliminated, but worked around, like you're working within the regulation to make it usable. So a good example would be, um, understanding the material properties, right? For someone to use it in aviation, you have to fully understand the material properties and if you can't, and if you can't prove a part does or performs a certain way, you can't use the part. That's a regulatory issue. There's a reason why it exists and it it is for safety, the market or the the additive industry hasn't been able to go get past that for reasons, like for reasons, but that's, that's going to change soon.
1: All right. I think we've done it. What's that? We, we took up way too much time talking about news. All right.
0: It's good you news, seem, You seem depressed that we have to talk about what we came th- to talk <laughs> the about. topic of the day. I'm not depressed No, I think it's a great topic. You seem sad. I'm not sad. Stop imposing your sadness on me.
1: I, I'm not sad. I'm, well, I'm sad for the listeners because we've spent the entire podcast talking about news, which you may or may not be interested in. How far are we into it? Well, what time did we start? I don't know. I think we're, we're, we've only got 20 minutes, really, if okay. we're trying to stick to our goal. All right. Well, let's jump into <laughs> See,
0: it. You See, you seem sad about this. We've been talking for 40 minutes.
1: I haven't been.
0: Whoa. Are we, we no, going to have to scrap this and start no, over?
1: No, no, this is great. I actually think a lot of the information we've covered, I just think we, you know, we're having this on air discussion right now about the podcast, but yeah, yeah. we uh, tend to go sometimes a little too long on some things, but uh, that's just my, okay, my take. Yeah, yeah. Point, point,
0: and point received, <laughs> message received.
1: <laughs> if you guys feel differently, gals. Let us know. but yeah. I, 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 Let if, us know. If are, you,
0: are you on Team Tyler or Team Tate? Whoa, easy, <laughs> easy.
1: No, I'm just trying to keep things a, a little, uh, one, on track. Yeah. I think that's kind of my job, uh, uh, to keep things on track and to make sure we talk about certain things. And, yeah, uh, we we have one thing on my checklist that we haven't talked about, and I'm afraid to bring it up. Uh-oh, what is it? I wanted to spend a couple minutes, and maybe we make this a whole other episode at this point or maybe this is a two-part episode and we don't really get to it maybe we need to do one on monday and do two next week i I don't know know. let's see Uh, but i wanted to talk about how annoying technology names are they're all acronyms (sighs) and we're learning that they're all trademarked like we as representatives of stratasys cannot say s-l-a that's a trademarked thing. <laughs> we have to say
0: SL. Oh man.
1: Should mean, I not say you mean
0: you, mean you <laughs> don't annoying. like learning a a new three letter acronym with or every, four or four with every new machine announcement? You mean you don't like that? It's the worst thing ever.
1: It's so hard for me because it's like, okay, what's the real differentiator? Oh, okay, like
0: these two are really the same technology. Yeah, so (laughs) I agree 105%. I think the entire, you know, paradigm of these three-letter acronyms being apparently necessary for hardware vendors to just create and differentiate their technology from the rest. Mm Mm-hmm. Is exhausting I think it's exhausting at some point do you think that we're gonna
1: have some sort of regulatory group come in and say okay there's all these machines out here now we're gonna designate what umbrella one what technology umbrella they fit under yeah this is MJF or Um, you can't own MJF anymore because (laughs) we're taking it and we're
0: gonna put all these other technologies under that umbrella I, and this a, is Polly Jet. That's a really good question. Um, just kind of talking off the top of my head here, I think what might happen is as you start to see, um, you know, you have like ISO, ASME, like these different regulatory bodies for different industries start to put out rules. Mm-hmm. And these rules are specific for certain types of technologies. You might find companies like on their webpage they say this is ABCDF whatever, but then in the background say actually it's this this is this, this. So there's they was try to play both games. Does that make sense? Give me an example. All right, so let's say you had an SLA technology. and yeah. Everyone looks at it and you're like, yeah, that's SLA, but you call it PF z okay you just call it pfz (laughs) on your website you call it pfz okay when let's say some you know design allowables come out in aviation and these design allowables say hey you are allowed to create parts using sla for these types of parts the company who put all this effort into saying you know pfz is our technology well suddenly if it's actually pfz they can't pursue those applications that are regulated (laughs) applications. So in the background, they say, actually, you know, it's SLA. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Totally. It's so annoying. They're going to want both. The the reality is like in every, every company in every industry like this, you, you have marketing, marketing is a way to differentiate and sell your solution against the competition, but unique to 3D printing is like this need to create a new invention with everything. Yeah. You know, like we were looking- Trademark it, make money on it. Yeah, exactly. So after last week's pod, someone, a listener sent us a link to a technology that they had, that they had learned about. And they said, what do you think of this? And it was Seurat, right? Seurat. And- I think you and I both agreed as we were reading through their website, initially we're just like, this is all marketing fluff. It's all marketing fluff. And the only thing you got out of the marketing fluff was that they can create parts that are, you know, buzzword, 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 buzzword in aviation, buzzword, buzzword, buzzword in automotive. And also the name of the technology, which was like area printing, area (laughs) printing, something like that. That's all you got out of the, you had to be on the website for 20 minutes to find anything else beyond that. Which we're going to do an episode on this
1: pretty soon. We've got to.
0: Because once I found the origin story, do you agree? Like once you read the origin story and like the people behind the technology and a little bit of an explanation, just a little bit of an explanation about how the technology worked, then I was like, okay. But are you like me? I am, I am very, and I'm, and I kind of share some attributes with a group of people that we were going to talk about. We were going to talk about machinists. We might have to put that off. (laughs) I reflexively want to shoot down new ideas. Like reflexively, I want to pick apart why things won't work. Are you like that?
1: No. um, But I guess this depends on context. Like I, I want to know why it works. Yeah. But, I think being in this industry for long enough, you see a new technology, a new acronym, and you're just like, okay, what makes, then, then I'm like you. I want to, I want to find out, okay, what's this really? Like with the Syrah. Yeah. uh, I was like, okay, it's, it's a metal technology, right? What is it really? Yeah. And that's what you're talking about, searching for 20 minutes for. Yeah. What really is
0: this? like, we we get what you're saying it is. What is it really? When when you <laughs> when you start researching it, are you coming from a perspective of okay, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and it's really up to them to disprove that it's wrong or are you coming from like hey, you guys are really going to have to prove to me that it works? The latter. Okay. The latter. And I think that's what I'm saying. I'm probably the latter too. Because I
1: I want just as much as everybody that's listening, I want this to work. Um, it's funny because we have an AE on the SOLIDWORKS side that really loves printing. He's a fidgeter. He's a maker. He's like, his desk's always a mess. He's the Einstein of the group. And yeah. like, he comes to me and he's like, dude, did you know these? Because we told you in a future or a, a past episode that we got these Method Xs. Yeah. And he's like, did you know that we can print metal? And <laughs> I was like... You saw the Ultrafuse stuff, huh? Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh yeah, it's gonna be this, this, that." He was so enthusiastic about it, and I'm just like, "Hate to crush your dreams, dude," but you know, <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily gonna work like you think it's gonna work.
0: Yeah, he's an optimist. I think he is on the opposite end of the spectrum of me, for sure. I'm I've become an old, jaded geezer. Curmudgeon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the old geezer. <laughs> And no, I, but the, the reality is, is I do want everything to work. I fundamentally want the technology to be able to fulfill everyone's wildest dreams, but that's not how the world works just waiting for the, button. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, it, it's getting there. I think that something to keep in mind is just things aren't working. Although they, they seem to have accelerated lately and I don't know if yeah. it's this influx of investor money or what, but things are cooking, things are cooking, yeah. but They're not like what everyone thinks. When a new technology rolls out, it solves one, maybe two small issues. It's not, at this point in time, nothing like totally revolutionary has happened, although every machine is better than the last.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, it's just how you set expectations. If you set expectations of we're going to make incremental progress, every month, every quarter, every year, we're going to get a little bit better, you know. That's great because in reality, that's how progress typically works, right? I think where I become jaded is you don't they typically we don't see companies leading with that. They see companies coming out and saying, "Hey, you know, we're going to come out, we're going to change the world. We're going to change the world of manufacturing. We're going to change how everyone does everything. We're going to manufacture the impossible. Exactly. You know, we're just entering this space, but we're going to be able to do things that people have devoted their lifetimes to for decades and decades, hundreds and thousands of people, you know, optimizing things. And we're going to come in. We're going to be better than them from day one. In five years, we're going to make 10 X what their
1: current revenue
0: is. Yeah. And that turns me off and it just like, at first it's sort of a novelty, but you hear it over and over and over, it gets old. So I am a big advocate of talking about incremental progress, being realistic, setting real expectations and goals, but it's hard to raise money that way. Right. It's not a flashy way of marketing. So I get that as well. And in some ways the marketing and the and bringing in investment and things like that that's how you unlock the capabilities to achieve your goals right mhm so i i try to understand that but there's just there's probably better ways to approach it
1: yeah it's so hard now it's just you have everybody's doing it
0: mm-hmm. you're
1: you're left behind if you don't yeah i was watching a show the other day and I don't know why, but I I put on meat eater. Oh yeah. It's, it's a show on Netflix. You know, I don't hunt at all, but I'm like, let's, let's, let's check this out. Let's see. Okay. The guy's super respectful. He's really nice. They do this hunt where they're hunting with traditional bows. And I can understand how crazy hard that is, right? Their game has to be so much closer to them. And then the muzzleloader, uh, which is a rifle, Of sorts. Don't kill me if I'm wrong here. Uh, but it's, it's a less accurate rifle. It's old school technology. You, you've seen them in the civil war movies, you know, they're, they're jamming the, the musket ball down, (laughs) down the barrel. And, uh, anyway, it's, they've come a long way since then, but it's far better than a bow is my point. Yeah. And when the muzzleloader, uh, day, the opening, opening day for muzzleloader happens is like two days after they start hunting with bows. So, they could switch if they want to. Yeah, the purists don't. They uh-huh. keep trying to get their their animal with a bow. Well, that's what it reminds me of, right? Because all these hunters now are hu- switching over to muzzleloaders, and they're getting their game, while these poor bow guys, they're still struggling in the in the background. And you can stay purist for as long as you want, but you may not. You go. You may go home after a week empty-handed. I feel like. With everyone using these flashy sales words and and just these gimmicks, essentially. But they're the guys with the muzzle muzzleloaders, right? And the the purists are behind trying to be honest, but you're going to get left behind. And you might go home em- empty-handed. I just feel like in order to compete with the dudes with rifles, you need to pick one up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's just this weird... Is a weird... considered a rifle? I don't think so. Um, because muzzle loaders—a rifle,
1: isn't it? The spiral of the barrel that makes it.
0: Yeah, and in but muzzle I think loaders, have in that. most cases, muzzle loaders do not fall under the same regul regulations and laws as a typical rifle.
1: We're getting outside of our.
0: <laughs> We're definitely getting outside of our <laughs> area <sorry>. of expertise. <laughs> um, but you're totally right. Like this whole game of terrible al- analogy, suit, but you get it. Yeah. The, the whole game of alphabet soup and what is what and this pressure to reinvent a new technology every time you do something just, you know, slightly novel, I think is exhausting. It's not going to go anywhere, but it's a little exhausting. Do you guys agree? You know, like, I'm curious about people's thoughts on this. Are we totally off base? Or are you guys also like, yeah, I don't want to have to say FFF and FDM. I just want to be able to say one term. Right. I
1: I think people are on board with that. I also do wonder, anyone who's listened to our show for more than an episode is probably a little bit deeper in the world of additive. Um, You know, my casual friends who may or may not own like a, a Prusa or a hobby level system at home, they may not even know that all of these acronyms exist. But I think Someone who's maybe an engineer in an R&D lab or something and their boss comes to them and says, hey, you know, our competitor X, Y, and Z just bought this new system and it's really helped them. I, r- I read an article about it, whatever. Now you have to go yeah. investigate this technology and yeah. you're trying to learn about this tech And how it compares to this and that. And then you kind of realize, wait, are these the same things? And you're probably talking to salespeople who are further confusing things
0: for you. It's like, oh my gosh. On the bright side, I think you are starting to see more use of broad acronyms. For example, laser powder bed fusion. Laser powder bed fusion is becoming more and more used. Whereas previously you would say... You'd be more specific, you'd say SLS, DMLS, SLM, EBM, like all of those are different from each other, but fundamentally they all share some attributes. And so it's much easier to just discuss, discuss it in laser powder, bed fusion. Yeah. So I think you are starting to see a little bit of that. I would like to see that more, more. I want to see that embraced. Just let's let's create some fundamental groups. Let's do it. Binder jetting. You and me. <laughs> Binder jetting, filament, resin, and laser powder by fusion. But then like every, people are going to be like, oh, what about direct energy deposition? Where does that go? Polyjet. Yeah. That's resin, but but it's different. <sighs> That's the thing is everyone wants to say, but it's different. And it is. I get it. It's different. <laughs> but... It it actually makes it harder for people to learn about printing because yeah. it's it becomes like um, the consumer loses. I I think that's true. It just becomes a barrier to entry, and I think all, most of our goals is like to democratize and and bring three D printing into a space where it's more widely known. Yeah, and you may have to give up some ownership of trademarks and things like that for that to actually happen we'll see if it happens we will see this is basically the
1: off-topic episode so that's what we'll call it yeah maybe and our next episode we'll we'll get into our goal and i'm gonna uh, i tease it right now but we want to get into uh machinists adoption of 3d printing or hesitance yeah you're better at coming up with the titles
0: but yeah. that's that's the basic topic. Yeah. Just a discussion about why machinists or people in machine shops, like subtractive manufacturing, why they should care about additive. And also, what are the opportunities for people like that in the additive industry?
1: I actually had a super refreshing call yesterday. I had a demo mm-hmm. with a customer who was using every application imaginable you know the ones we try to pitch like hey yeah this is where you get your roi on a machine he was already doing it Uh uh-huh it was so awesome that's cool it was such a fun conversation i do have a a side topic okay to help wrap things up okay you alienated our canadian listeners i did they disappeared oh they're off the map no there's still a couple there but our numbers (laughs) dropped in Canada. Oh, no. Um, oh, don't <laughs> I come back, Canada. You're not listening to know to come back, but any neighbors to Canada, let them know. I guess that's us. But uh, I do want to <laughs> say another thing. Yeah. I, I want to call out some of our listeners that are in the U.S. I want to learn about what it is you do. So we have a hot
0: spot in florida we've got a hot spot in california that um F- florida's probably all those nano dimension people <laughs> lis- listening and just getting angry at me is it
1: disney world you know i know there's a ton of automation that goes on over there like l- yeah let us know what you do um michigan huge hot spot for our show and uh yeah i just i, I want to know why these are hot spots. You know, I expected there to be more listeners in like um, Massachusetts and that yeah. area because that's such a, a huge hotspot for the development of 3D printing. Yep. But I was way off. Missouri's actually coming in as a top spot right now. I don't know why. This, this is just random. Um, but thank you. Thank you for listening. And tell us why you're here. Tell us what you do. Tell us why you stayed. Tell us why you left, whichever. Uh we, we want to learn more about our listeners and make sure that we again gear our content more towards towards y'all and
0: it's fun. It's interactive. And I think that we'll do we'll implement some things shortly here that will make it more interactive. What are yeah. you saying? More social medias? You're gonna have to start that Instagram account.
1: Me? Yeah. We need to figure out how to link it up business style. Yeah. So that we can both post stuff. Yeah. We're dragging our feet a little on that because we want to be in this new building. Exactly. So, uh stick with us, stay tuned. I think that's when it's going to start happening. We want to take you guys along for the ride. We'll show you where we came from. We're in the closet of a state farm. No, <laughs> just kidding. Uh but yeah, we want to show you where we came from, where we're headed and and yeah, thanks for listening. The off topic episode. Yeah, stick with us. Stick with us. We usually do talk about one thing or we try to gear a full episode towards something but
0: we'll get there cool that was a fun conversation yeah all right take care good stuff